Hello everyone and welcome to Life Wealth's podcast for the new financial year. Uh, my name is Jason Harwood, CEO of Life Wealth, and joining me as always is James Vandaloo, head of Life Wealth's investment committee. Hello, James. Hey, Jace, how are you, mate? I am very well. Always nice to have 30th of June behind us. <sighs> sure is, sure is. Certainly a grind. And uh, it, it felt like a bit more of a grind this year than uh, than previous years, which we'll get straight into to, uh, talking about straight away with uh, you know market returns and all those sorts of things. Yeah, I guess that's the uh, that's the part people uh, people are mostly listening about. So uh, yeah, it was a pretty crappy financial year, financial year twenty two. Now uh, the dust has settled on it, and it didn't really matter what you invested in, you lost ten percent mm. or more. So the ASX two hundred was negative ten point five, S and P five hundred negative ten point three, diversified portfolio of bonds, the bond index uh, run by Vanguard negative ten point two, uh, and if you were growthy in tech, uh, you fared worse. Nasdaq negative eighteen point five for the financial year, which uh, which is obviously challenging, isn't it? I mean, in some ways, I think it it, it almost felt like it was more than that in each of those asset classes. So in some ways, that's a really good moment of going, well, hang on, let's just stop here and, and take stock of that. Uh, the, the way, the reason it felt like that is because markets kept rising from 1 July through to Christmas last year. So if we look at the uh, calendar year to date, so the 2022 calendar year, uh, the numbers are worse. So S&P 500 down 19%, uh, NASDAQ off 27%, and the ASX is off 11.5% so far this year. That that feels more like what we've been living through, doesn't it? Exactly. And so, James, can you talk about, you know, we, we talk with many of our clients over, you know, 25 years at LifeWealth, as most financial planning firms do around diversification. It's pretty challenging when you've got fixed interest down by double-digit double figures at the same time as you've got equities down by double-digit figures. Yeah, your, your traditional uh, diversified balance portfolio hasn't worked. So it, it's been traditionally a 60-30 or 70-40 split between equities and bonds. And um, yeah, unfortunately, from such low interest rates, uh, the bond part has done just as badly as, uh, as the equity, equity index. So there's, there's really been no place to hide unless you were doing, and not all clients can do it, Obviously, wholesale clients might have been doing private lending. Um, that's worked well because it's you know not correlated to to markets. Um, you, you could hide in direct property too, but you know if we put our hand on a heart and get those things valued, uh, uh, they're off too. Yeah, I mean, many of our clients might know about RP data. RP data is kind of the, you know designed to be a data source of trying to give you live information around valuation of properties and things like that. It has been really galling to start to see property values go down for clients' net worth and you know our own personal net worth and all that sort of stuff. It's just something you don't tend to see because it's not valued every day like the ASX. That's right, but it's all all, all part of a cycle. Um, and you know we've been in a bear market. We've known we have been um, pretty much since the start of the year. So um, it'll pass, and um, it's we're now closer to the end of it than than the start. Mm. So um, you know. Uh, the buying opportunity is getting closer. So let's let's pick that up um, because I think that's what everyone would really want to know. And it is very much like you and I having uh, relatively young kids, kids in the back seat when you're taking a long drive. Uh, are we there yet? Are we there yet for recession and you know hitting the peak of this? 
Not quite. So um, if people have been listening to us this year, we, we probably thought the US and Europe would be in recession by the end of the year. Um, that at the time wasn't a consensus call. It's still not quite fully priced in. So I think uh, people that have been watching business programs and so forth, they're hearing the recession word. It's in the newspaper. So um, it's not as far out as it was six months ago, um, but it's not quite fully priced into markets just yet. So we're, we're nearly there. Um, my gut feel is we've got between three to six months of this bear market uh, to run. Um, you know, why is that? We've still got a couple more rate rises um, to do, because remember, it's the rate rises that are causing the recession, mm-hmm. the, 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 the demand destruction um, from tighter monetary policy. So um, inflation has been, you know, nasty this year. There's no doubt about it. It's been more stubborn than, than I certainly thought. Um, but I think the evidence is quite compelling that inflation has peaked and we're rolling over now. Um, it's not going to be low enough that they can't raise rates a few more times. So there's a little bit more hawkishness in central banks. Um, unfortunately, that's going to cause the demand destruction and, um, and cause the US recession and, and European recessions. Uh, I still think Australia can probably avoid recession, um, but you know we're really going to mimic monetary policy from, from those larger, larger economies. Some of that will actually feel like semantics domestically, though. It'll feel like semantics in Australia because whilst we might technically avoid it, all the conversation and all the mood will be recessionary because well, of what you're seeing globally and what it feels like. You no, know, we've, we've got to remember we've had this in the past where Sydney and Melbourne were doing it pretty hard mm. and um, because of resource exports out of the West, we technically weren't in recession. Mm. I think it'll feel like recession. Yeah. Um, I think property prices have got further to fall. Mm. We've got a few more rate rises. Um, and, um, you know, that's not a brilliant environment for corporate profits. So I, I think it will be a tricky, tricky six months, um, but it'll pass. It'll pass. Mm. So, um, you know, that's going to be the buying window. I think it's probably uh, through the spring and, and, and summer later this year. And, and I think uh, there's, a, there's a theme just probably across the next two or three things we want to talk about. And it's this theme of it's impossible to get exactly right. Yeah. And so let's use inflation as an example of that. Um, you know, uh, analysts and, and commentators and us on this podcast have talked about over a year now, I think, um, inflation's transitory, inflation's transitory, inflation's transitory. It's been stubborn though. Oh, it sure has. And I guess the asterisk's got to be, well, how long is transitory? Transitory, yes. Um, you know, the way we typically invest for clients is with five and 10 year timeframes. So on that time frame, I think it'll prove to be transitory. But you know, it's been around for twelve months. There's probably um, another twelve months before it genuinely um, gets back in their band. Mm. Um, but I think the trajectory is going to be is going to be falling uh, and falling pretty quickly. Mm. Um, as I said, I think it's already peaked. Yeah, I, I think the data seems to suggest that. Interest rates. All right. So another example of impossible to get right, and and. Yeah, let's open with for you know a long period of time on this podcast, we kept talking about what the RBA was saying in their meeting minutes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that was uh, no interest rate rises to twenty four 
then it became no interest rate rises until late 23. And then it slowly became, okay, they could come earlier in 23. And all of a sudden, we've got interest rate rises before we even hit the halfway mark of 22. So, so your view and I guess what the market's already pricing in with the movement of interest rates over the next couple of years. Um, the market is pricing in more rises in the short term, um, but then uh, rates actually coming down in the back half of 2023 and 2024. Um, I think things will probably move quicker than that. I definitely think there's more rate rises in the in the short term. Um, you know, I think the cash rate in Australia will probably peak between two and two and a half percent. You can see the move already has really done some damage to resi property. Well, that's going to get worse, right? So, um, which if, starts getting political as well. Well, it gets it gets political, but it really has knock-on effects to the economy. Mm. You know, um, building and construction is such a massive um, part of the Australian economy. Whether it's a good or bad thing, it it's just is a fact as it as it is at the moment. Um, and when we see work roll off there. Um, that's going to cause problems. Mm. So um, they can't do anything about raising rates until they really see inflation um, roll over. Um, so their rate hikes are going to going to make inflation roll over. They, it, it's very deflationary. Um, so um, I believe that'll happen in the back half of the year. Uh, again, we'll be a follower right? as we've followed the US. Our our inflation was slower to take off. It's it's picked up. Um, you just look at last week's financial markets. The stock market has actually been pretty well behaved in the last two or three weeks. But commodity markets have um, copped an absolute walloping, mm. uh, including oil, um, which I think there's a pretty good case to say why oil should be high. You know, I still think there's a real risk um, that with the conflict over in Ukraine and Russia that um, energy becomes a, a political tool over the next uh, we'll call it the European winter. Yep. Um, so I think there's a reason why oil and gas might stay high, but if you look at you know things like copper and so forth, they've really rolled and and got smashed. So one that helps with inflation because they're 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 part of the basket. But that's the markets telling you uh, recession recession's coming. Um, so then the question is, is it fully priced into markets? Because the market is off those big numbers, not quite, not mm. quite. Um, some people um, think it is because the stock market, even to that bad news about the commodity prices, stock market held up really well last week. So they're saying, well, there's bad news and it's not affecting the market anymore. So um, that means it could be that you know the bottom could be in, and they might be right. Right? Um, you know, my clients who have been with me for twenty years will know I'm not going to pick tops and bottoms uh, perfectly and then probably uh, throw tomatoes at me if I pretended that I that I could. Um, so that's an entry point for some people to say, okay, that 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 news now isn't causing any more, um, that's probably enough. So probably there's a ban that will start going here. And if you do, um, from these entry points, I think your medium term re- returns won't be too bad. Yep. Uh, my gut feel is we've just got one nasty, nasty last leg with that recession fully being priced in, some earnings downgrades in the back half of the year, and you get one last flush. And so that, that's really good, I think, to hone in and talk about for a sec. And, and, and you're the one we're talking to here, so we'll use you as the, as the I guess, the example of advisors across the, the Life Wealth Group. 
it's about risk mitigation and risk management for individual clients. So you and the other advisors of Life Wealth will have your own view as both a professional and as a human, which is, all right, it is impossible to be absolutely right. Somehow you might get exactly right and you go in on the day of the market at its lowest, but that by definition would be luck. Yep. 100%. So from a risk a risk um, profiling point of view, if mm. you like, how would you like to get it wrong? Would you rather get it wrong by going too early and copying another one? Yep. Yeah. Or get it wrong by being slightly late? When we talk about this, we're really talking about new money, right? Mm. So, um, you know, play back the thing. I've been talking the market down all year. I've said we're in a bear market. I haven't sold a stock. Mm. Personally, yep. I haven't sold a stock. I'm comfortable with what I own and I, and I think it'll pay off. I haven't tried to sell out to buy it back cheaper, um, but I've got a lot of new capital this year and I haven't put it to work, mm. um, at least not in, in public markets. There's been the odd you know, private, private, investment. private opportunity that I've had, had a crack at um, because I thought I'd get a cheaper entry point. So um, with clients who have been building cash, you know, we, as I said, we could probably buy today and our three-year returns will look reasonable from here. But if I think there's another 10 or 15 or maybe even 20% um, down, which is probably short and sharp, it won't hang around there long, um, I'm just holding back. And some clients have been frustrated and said, you know, come on, we want to do something. And I've said, well, just hang on. Um, I think the time is getting closer but it's not quite there yet. And, 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 I, and I guess that's my point. It's the nature of bespoke advice, you know, working with your client and having that conversation together. You have your view as the advisor. The other advisors would have a similar view about, okay, this is what I think we should be doing. But partly that's about a conversation with a client. And, and in some instances, the client might say, I hear what you're saying. I have got a longer term horizon, so I can I can bear oh, some I, short term, but I want to go. I've got clients that don't like holding cash at all. Yes. Um, and you know, in the long term, they're right because with inflation where it is, uh, cash is it's it's a long term bad hold. Yes. Right. So their process says we invest mm. and we we ride we ride volatility and that's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, in this environment, we're we're talking generally, um, and clients will know from the rebalancing I've been doing if we've taken profit on something or sold it or there's been private equity takeovers. You know, Crown just got bought out. We haven't been reinvesting it. We've been letting it letting it build, yep. um, only because I think I'll be able to buy assets a little bit cheaper in the not too distant future. And and that leads to the next point I wanted to uh, chat to you about. You know, you talked about if there is another nasty downturn, whatever that that number looks like, it'll be short and sharp. And and, and this is as I said, this is something I wanted to talk about. You've touched on this in previous podcasts. Cycles seem shorter. In, in modern markets. Yeah. Saying it'll be short and sharp, um, I think prices are roughly fair on markets at the moment. Um, so if it drops from here because there's a recession panic or some downgrades, um, I think the market will be undervalued. But that's what happens in cycles. They, hmm. they, they overshoot and we've been through an over, o- overshot um, both on the upside and on the, on the downside. Um, so saying that I don't think it'll be down there long doesn't mean I'm predicting a bull market to start you know, tomorrow or in three months. Um, just that once that sinks in, um, I think the buyers will come and you, you probably lift markets back to where we are now um, 
pretty quickly. So if it drops another 10, it might recover that 10 um, fairly quickly. And then, you know, it'll be up to the cycle then to, to see where we go. But um, in markets like these, it doesn't really discriminate. So the good businesses go out with the bad. Um, so we want to make sure we're owning stuff that we think is going to work. Um, but usually the bear markets don't end until the Fed pivots monetary policy and they go from, um, you know, squeezing the life out of it, which is what they're doing now deliberately, to being stimulatory on the other side. The only way that's possible is you have a recession that kills the inflation. Mm. Um, so if that doesn't happen, we could just be in this slow burn going nowhere for some time. Uh, my opinion is you no, know, the recession will come in the US and Europe. Um, that's going to kill inflation and get it down um, to a level where they can then stimulate and try and get growth happening again. And that then is the green shoots of the next cycle. Exactly right. And while short and sharp doesn't feel like fun when you're in the middle of it, it, it is, in my opinion, far more preferable preferable than just the slow, dragging on, the slow dragging bleed. on, dragging on. And this has been... Emotionally. This has been um, a pretty long bleed by modern um, historical times. Not really since 2008. We had a nasty downturn for COVID, but um, the central banks haven't been able to jump in here because of the inflation problem. Um, and they're not. As I said, we think there's still more hawkishness to come. Hawkishness, sorry for the lingo, is rates going higher, making monetary policy tighter. That's not quite done yet. So that's why I'm reluctant to um, stand in front of a market that looks like it's a perfect bear market in a downward trend. Hmm. Um, you know, there's probably a little bit more to go before... Um, before we swing the other way. Makes sense. Um, I just want to uh, pivot uh, just just quickly to a conversation about, you know, 30th of June's over, 1st of July has come about. In the budget podcast we did earlier in the year, we talked about new budget measures around uh, uh, the, the work test. Yes. So um, some clients who have got money outside super, this would be older clients, over, over 65, Um They'll be getting a call from us uh, at some point in the next few weeks. Uh, there's a few that have come to mind. I wouldn't almost name them. You're not allowed to do that. Um, because the work test being abolished means we can now get money back into the tax concessionary super environment, um, even though they're retired. So, um, you know, generally for most people over 65, inside the super environment is going to be the best place for their investments because uh, of the tax concessions. So that's some, some good news. So there should be a little bit of restructuring we can do and make them uh, more efficient and um, less tax. Yeah, which is fantastic. So it's a really good opportunity. Um, there hasn't been as much opportunity in the last couple of years with new legislation driving, uh, driving strategy. It's been a little bit vanilla with some of the budget measures that's come out, but this is one that we can definitely do some good work with. Yes. Yeah, yep. we've, we've got a hit list in the office of people that we think it applies to that uh, we'll, we'll be in touch with soon to... Uh, uh, see if uh, they're also interested. Hit list. Interesting, mm. interesting term. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, um, we didn't talk about this. We, we, I didn't put this on the agenda, but whilst we were talking, I thought just for a little bit of uh, light-hearted conversation, maybe we'll have a chat about Elon Musk and the Twitter deal, uh. <laughs> which I find I find quite humorous, mainly because um, you know, forty-four billion. Uh, he's now said he's not going to go ahead with it. He signed a contract which basically says that. 
they're, they're going to try and force him to do to, to buy it anyway, whether he wants to or not. Mm. Uh, but then I did see on Twitter last night, ironically, uh, Elon, uh, you know, sort of uh, prosecuting that in the public the public sphere by putting a meme out going, uh, I wanted data on uh, bots. They wouldn't give it to me. Now they're going to take me to court and I'll have to disclose their bots. It's like, I don't know. I just don't feel like I'd fight off a $44 billion case with a meme. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident he'll have a clause in there subject to finance. And uh, I think one of the two of those lenders uh, uh, conveniently will pull out and get some work from Elon on another deal or something. So uh, I don't think he'd be buying it. I, I'd never thought he'd be buying it <laughs> if, I was, uh, if I was honest. It's amazing stuff. Mm. Okay, so I, I guess the summary of all of that, um, if we can, in, in, in closing, you know, I, I think it's worth us just revisiting what, is, what does all that mean for us? What does all that mean for portfolios? What does all that mean for our conversations with clients yeah. over the next couple of months, yeah. six months? Okay, so in, in general terms, uh, rates have been going up. Um, they're going to go up a little bit more. I don't think they're going up a lot more. So, you know, I've had some people panicking, you know, should we fix our rates now because they're going to go much, much higher? I don't think they're going much, much higher. Um, you know, I, I think there could be uh, absolute maximum of 1% higher in in Australia. And I don't think they'll be able to hold at that height. You know, it'll do the job of um, slowing things down, but I think they'll have to roll back the other way uh, within 12 months. So I think don't panic about... Um, about home loans, um, the 10-year US Treasury yield has told us that. Last time we spoke, it was around about 3%. It broke out to the upside uh, as the market suddenly got into a panic thinking rates are going through the roof. Um, it got to about 3.5. It's rolled back. It's under 3 today. Um, so the market is coming around to my view too that um, rates aren't going to get that higher, even though um, there is more for... Fed funds rate or the RBA rate here in Australia in the in the short term. Um, so don't panic. Yes, they're going a little bit higher. They always had to um, from the emergency lows they are, but they won't be materially higher than what they were before the pandemic, which was still a relatively low rate environment. Um, inflation, yes, it's been stubborn. Um, there are a few things in there um, that are a little bit worrying, which is energy because of the geopolitical issues. Uh, Labor markets have been tight, um, both in the US and in Australia. You know, they're a part of the the, the basket. It doesn't look like there's wage cuts soon. Unfortunately, it'll, it's going to take a recession to, 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 break, to break that. Uh, I still think it's coming. So I, I stand by the prediction. Um, US in recession, Europe in recession, markets a little bit lower till they fully price in um, those earnings downgrades, um, then you get first a pause, and that's probably going to be my buying, um, my buying uh, trigger, trigger yep. um, to start buying growth assets, um, and then I think later in 2023 you'll you'll see um, easing. Beautiful, thank you. That's a really really good summary. Um, Okay, I guess the only other thing on the horizon is for, for long-time listeners of the podcast and, and long-term clients of Life Wealth, they would know that uh, a couple of times a year, particularly sort of September, October, Portfolio Construction Conference is a really key thing in the, in the calendar that 
Um, is, well, you can talk about the portfolio construction conference and what it is, and, and I'm assuming that's September this year, October. It's uh, late August. Oh, okay. Late late August. Um, you know what really that's all about is uh, us trying to sit with people a whole lot smarter than we are to get their views on the world. So you get people from all over the world. You get Europeans, uh, Asians, um, people from North America, um, both economists so you're getting their you know macro views which is kind of what we talk about here because mm-hmm. we can't talk about you know companies and underlying as well as portfolio managers and analysts that you know then really break apart the business uh, to try and get their best ideas to um, help build the portfolios as I said it's been a pretty quiet year for us in terms of portfolio construction we've accepted it was uh, a tough year um, didn't really think there was a place to hide. That's kind of proven correct because the defences have done just as badly as the as the growth assets um, to try and get some good ideas. And um, I think the opportunity set is growing by the day with with the weaker markets. So um, it should really be a, a a big one this year where we come away with some ideas and and some key points where we want to hit and hopefully um, one make back some of the drawdowns over the last 12 months, but really push ahead in the next three or four years and um, and make some money for clients. Yeah, there's quite often some great thematic type uh, type uh, information that you get out of those conferences mm. as well. So, um, I just think it's going to work pretty well as well, timing-wise, with the, the way the cycle is at the moment. I don't, I don't think we need to be rushing into uh, stuff, even though things are a little bit cheaper just yet. We've got a few more months. And as always, we're taking that long-term view. So That's right. Excellent. All right. Uh, anything else you want to cover off before we finish up? No, I just thought it would be great to check in with everyone since the financial year had ended. We had some real numbers and just to give an update on our thinking from our from our last chat. And the truth is, it's actually playing out pretty closely to the way we think. So we don't think things are, are out of control. Of course, we'd love things to be going up and things to be looking better in the sh- short term, but don't panic. Um, we're going to make it back. Excellent. Very good. Uh, thank you, as always. Thank you for everyone who's uh, who's been listening. Uh, as always, uh, the entire Life Wealth team is here for if if you want to get in contact, you have any questions, you want to want to clarify anything that we've said today, um, please re- reach out through any communication channel, and we'd be more than happy to have a chat. Uh, thank you, James. I know you're heading in a state for the next uh, two or three days. Yeah, yeah, going a little bit uh, further north where it'll be a bit warmer, which will be nice. Uh, it is for work. We're doing some investment research on a uh, on a private business uh, in the tourism industry. Um, so it uh, should be a little bit of fun, actually. Sounds great. Sounds great. So uh, we'll all be down here in Melbourne, uh, you know, coping with the uh, the cold weather while you're... Uh, and I, I, I say this with tongue in cheek because I know you are very much working and looking for an investment opportunity for us, but it's pretty handy. That's uh, very far north and in the sun. Uh, absolutely. And it's, uh, or if I say, it's, it's a wave park. Like people that would know the one at Telmarine, slightly different technology. Um, so I've got to test it out and make sure it works. Yeah, I'm sure uh. you do. Very good. All right. Um, have a great week. Uh, as we said, you know, we're all here, all, all open for conversation and discussion about any points from the from the podcast or anything else with regard to your personal situation. Um, hope everyone stays well and look forward to talking again shortly. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, James. Thank you. Cheers. The information in this podcast is intended to be general in nature and does not take into account your personal situation. Therefore, it does not constitute and is not intended to be financial services advice. 
you should consider whether the information is appropriate to your needs and where appropriate, seek professional personal advice from your financial advisor.